0: Hey, what's up, Connect Church? A PD here. Everybody calls me PD. I'm Pastor Derek. So glad that you have joined us for today's service. Church at Home, you guys got a great seat. I'm assuming you're comfortable. It might get a little uncomfortable as we go into the message today. I have something that's going to really, really challenge you and provoke you to growth and good deeds, going to make your life better. Anyway, I'm so happy you're with us. Uh, Wherever you're coming from, I hope you just let us know online. We want to know where you are and where you're from and hopefully engage in the service and connect in a big way. Listen, I'm going to jump in, but first let me rewind a little bit to let you know where we were because it connects to where we're going. We started a series uh, about three weeks ago, and it's all on the end times and prophecy. And so we started week one in this series talking about the rapture. I've actually only kind of done excerpts on this, but we've been talking about the rapture and kind of helping people see that God actually wants to take us up to be with him. It's going to be like reunited. We're going to be caught up. The word rapture shows up in, uh, in the Bible, in the Latin translations, the original translation, and you see other words that reference the same definition. But I want you to know something. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's as bad as it's going to get, really. And so, for us as Christ followers, as believers, and that's an incentive for us, that's a reward for us, that should be comforting, as it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And then uh, last week, oh, what a doozy of a message. I've never preached on this in Connects History an entire message on the tribulation. Uh, How many were here for that message? Just raise your hand, you know, high five, tell somebody in the chat you were there. We talked about the tribulation, a seven year period where things are going to get pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Praise God, I'm not going to be here for that. But I wanted people to know about it because it makes us grateful. It motivates us to live our life uh, differently. It helps us be bold witnesses as well. Today, though, we've been kind of uh, getting to this next phase in this whole sequence, prophetic sequence. By the way, God, um, the way he kind of works is... Uh, I liken it to like a weatherman or you could also say it's like a movie. He gives movie clips. Prophecy is like clips of things to come. You know, when you go to see a movie, you have about 15 minutes of previews and it'll say coming soon. It'll say coming this Christmas. Sometimes it'll even give a date. Uh, that's what's happening in this prophetic sequence. God is giving us pieces throughout history to let us know what is coming so we don't miss the big picture. So I want to give you a little bit more of the picture as it relates to uh, the subject of the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I've entitled this message, Roll the tape. Roll the tape, okay? So hopefully you'll really get something out of this. I'm actually going to break this message into two pieces inside the series. So this week's Roll the Tape, next week is your highlight reel. You don't want to miss that, how you can build your highlight reel. Now, as we talk about the judgment seat of Christ, let me kind of illustrate it this way. For those of you who are parents, raise your hand if you're a parent, you have kids. If you've had children uh, that are grown up that you had to kind of like... You know, you paid all the debts, you know, you paid for them, you, you, you got them married off, you, you took care of their schooling, uh, whatever that is. Some of you are out there, you know what I'm talking about. But if, if you ever had a child in college and you decided, you determined as a parent, you were going to help them with their higher education and you were going to pick up the tab for them in light of the high cost of that higher education, that expense, that price tag, there was an equal concern, a commensurate concern that you had for the student, the child that was gonna be the recipient of that, that they would take that very seriously. They wouldn't squander that incredible gift. It wouldn't, the money, the resources uh, sacrificed would not be wasted. In fact, if you have one of those, I do, if you have one of those children, you probably... Uh, told them things like, okay, I didn't pay for you to go to college for you to play, for you to party, uh, for you to get pregnant, uh, for you to, you know, hang around the wrong crowd. No, the reason you're here is to study, to learn, to maximize this opportunity so that it will get you to a place where you can receive the rewards of this higher education that are a byproduct of the gift that I gave you, the high cost and price of that gift should motivate you to want to live a different life when you 're in college, so there's probably been more than one parent that 's out there listening to the sound of my voice that has gotten ticked off with one of their children who is a student because they wasted their time they goofed off they they were squandering it, they weren't appreciating uh, the gift and and and, and they didn 't see the the price of the education and so God, I use this illustration because God wants you to know something today. God has paid a high price, a, a high tab for your salvation, for your salvation. It, it, as we talked about last week, he has provided for you not only a ticket to heaven, but a confirmed seat. Um, not only a, a, a place, a way to get there, but a home when you're there. He paid this price for you, and for me. And it was a great cost. It was the ultimate price, the ultimate cost. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave his life for you, for me, to pay for our sins, past, present, and future, giving us, in turn, eternal security. But it was a high, high price. Now, God wants you to know today that he didn't give you that kind of gift for you to Give him the Heisman to leave him out of the equation, to exclude him from your decisions, to um, have you live your life independent of him, and you're just kind of controlling where things go. Uh, he didn't have that. Do that for you, so that you would um, just kind of coast and cruise, and you know, pop in and out and of church online. And I don't think I'll go to a group this time, and I don't think I'll give anymore because we're not gathering together. And 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 he didn't do all this for you for you not to be all in and so just like I would with my daughter be concerned I think Christ is concerned with us where is that communicated we'll get to that so from the time of your salvation to the time of your death or your rapture the rapture of of the church whichever comes first uh, he has you here to um, to fulfill a purpose and a plan for your life, that's a part of a bigger purpose or plan in the kingdom of God. The main reason he left you here is that one day, someday, uh, you will have. You need to know this. A private personal uh, conversation with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and it will be, um, uh, uh, there will be an evaluation from your salvation to that point, and that place, that uh, moment is called the judgment seat of Christ. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it's in your notes, Paul says this, he says, we must all appear, as my wife would say, all y'all going to have to show up. All of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He'll be sitting, and you and I, we're going to be standing, okay? And so this word seat in the Greek, judgment seat of Christ, is the Greek word bima, bima. And it's taken, um, sometimes words have word pictures, and sometimes words have definitions, sometimes both. But this word is taken from the city of Corinth, where there was a judgment seat, uh, where there were great athletic events or games being played. In fact, this particular uh, uh, Corinthian uh, group of people were big on athletics. In fact, that's why Paul, a lot of times when he was communicating, he would use illustrations and analogies related to sports. Uh, In fact, God always does that. He speaks truth into the culture because that's the way that we can connect. And so Paul would do this. He would talk about, you know, people that go into strict training do this, and, and physical training is important, and, you know, we, we, we got to press on. We got to, the person that runs the race should run it like this. All that was because he was talking to the Corinthians. But the, this city of Corinth had a place where they would play certain games, and there was this Bema seat. And the people that were successful in these like olympic like games there was a different name for it, um, but they were like the Olympics they would come to the seat to receive rewards for their achievements and they would receive accolades for their successes within the games. they were publicly recognized and at this judgment seat and during the games, though, while they were playing them, there would be judges in the fields watching to see how their life, excuse me, how their, see, I skipped ahead, how their game was being played to make sure that they were keeping the rules, that they were following the instructions. And if they broke a rule at the, at the reward ceremony, their rewards could be revoked or they might not receive them. I remember... Um, kind of a devastating moment in the sport that I love. I I love powerlifting. Now, you may not know what that means. simplified. It's pick things up, put them down, super simple. But there's a lot more to it than that, and these are some great athletes. And I was watching the uh, 2017 uh, Strongman competition, and there was uh, Hafthor... uh, and um, Eddie Hall, uh, Hafthor Bjornsson, and Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall was my favorite. He was the Brit, uh, you know, really striving for this. But Hafthor Bjornsson had never won, and he's from Iceland. This guy is mammoth—430-pound human being, six foot eight, just mammoth dude. And he—he he was one rep away. From receiving the strongest man in the world award, but he, it was taken away from him because he broke a rule. In fact, while he was pressing things over his head, enormous amounts of weight on his 14th rep, he did what's called a double dip. He kind of bent down to get a little bit extra leverage at this final rep, and he was called for it. And that one rep cost him uh, the title, and 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 he was it was that reward was taken away from him. But he he was at he was literally on the award stand when this uh, when when he became aware of this. So it's really, really sad. But we must all go before this judgment seat, according to the apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 14, it's in your notes, he helps us change our focus. Because a lot of times we're not seeing the then what will happen. We're looking at who's around us and what they're doing. And it says in Romans fourteen ten, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all, all y'all, for we all, will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. I believe that's actually referring to the great white throne judgment. Then he says, so then, each one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. All of us will have to stand for one judgment as it relates to our salvation and our association, our public declaration, and association with Jesus Christ. But then there's going to also be how do we live our life as believers. You won't get to the second judgment if you don't pass the first, but when you get to the second one, you're going to have to give an accounting of how you lived your life, each one of us. So write these down if you're taking notes. I'm going to give you three truths three truths about the judgment seat of Christ. Then I might do three more next week. Number one, every man, every man who is saved, parentheses will be at the judgment seat of Christ. Every single, you don't get to opt out of this meeting. You don't get to have alternative representation. You can't send your mama for you. You can't say, oh, can pastor, he was my pastor. I went to this church. Can he speak for me? He knows I was there most of the time. You can't get character references. No, you can, nobody can vouch for you but you. And so there, this is where you will come to this Bema seat You will meet with Jesus one-on-one. And you're going to have to talk about your life between salvation and that moment that you're together with him. And again... This event has nothing to do with salvation. It's not related to whether or not you're a Christian. You wouldn't even be there if you weren't. The purpose of the Bema seat, listen to me now carefully, is not to evaluate your salvation. It's to evaluate your appreciation of your salvation. What God has given you and and how you appreciated that is what will be evaluated at the judgment seat of Christ. And so it's to evaluate evaluate your life after being given this incredible gift. And and so some people have come to me over the years and said, "PD, I thought that, uh, you know, if I was saved, I went to heaven. Absolutely. Yes, you do. You get to go to heaven. But how much heaven you get will be determined at the judgment seat of Christ, but it will be based on post-salvation to that moment. and And, and I think the devil's duped us, we've been deceived, but if we stop, pause, think for a second, we know this to be true in, in this world we're living in right now. In other words, you know, my wife's a teacher, she's been a teacher for a long time now, and she's taught probably thousands of kids when I, when you think about it, um, but but she's also taught her own kids, and so Let's say my, 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 my wife is teaching one of our children. She's teaching one of our, she's teaching um, the boys. In our, oh, we only have one boy. So, she, so you know who that is. She's teaching our son, Devin. And let's just say, I'm not sure this ever happened, but it could have, uh, very likely. Um, let's just say he's misbehaving. He's cutting up. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. Or he didn't do his homework. Like he, he wasn't ready for his presentation. Whatever it is, as a byproduct of whatever violations or re- rules that he broke, he Had to be sent away from his mother slash teacher to the principal's office to serve a detention. And then after school, Stacy, the teacher, but also the mom, goes to Devin and says, you know, how displeased she was and disappointed she was with his behavior, uh, not only as a student, but also as, as my son, and, and, and it, she was upset with him. What if he replied and said, Mom, you can't talk to me like that? You can't judge me for my behavior. I'm a fry, I'm your son. See, we know automatically, right? I mean, if you know my wife, she would be like, what? You know, just because, you know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, you know, she, just because you are part, Devin, of this biological family, um, uh, that's true, but that doesn't uh, eliminate the consequences of your actions, so you have to serve in detention. In other words, Devin's family association does not make him exempt from the consequences of his actions in this life it it, it doesn't change the family relationship, you're not divorced from the family, but there is discipline because you didn't do what you we were supposed to do as a byproduct of being in the family. So if you've accepted Jesus as your sin bearer, as a Christian, uh, it, it solves the your, the family problem. You're part of the family, but it doesn't solve the function problem within the family. And so think about it this way. I was trying to find an illustration, but... Uh, there are in our kind of litigious society, we know this to be true, but there are different types of courts that some of us have had to appear before. And let's, there, there are criminal courts and there are civil courts. Now, you could be found innocent in a criminal court, but you could turn around and be found guilty in a civil court. So, so similarly, or likened to that In this kind of context within the judgment seat uh, doctrine, you can win in one and you can lose in another. You can be found innocent in one court, but you can be found guilty in another. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and you've made that public declaration about your association with him without shame, uh, he has determined you innocent. Uh, He has made you, what the scripture says, justified. It's a big word, but it means just as if you never sinned. It's referring to uh, in your tripart being, your spirit. Your spirit is now in a moment new, and it's pure, holy, white. Um, It's 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 sinless. But the rest of you, there's a process where those things all come into alignment. Your mind is now has to be renewed. Your body has to come under and into subjection to your spirit, man, as it begins to lead us. And so you can be uh, declared innocent. You can be justified as far as your eternal destiny. But there's another court, and that's the judgment seat of Christ. And so one has to, one deals with. Uh, your your standing your your legal standing before God and the other deals with your life on earth for God there're two courts it, god declares you innocent in the first court but depending on how you live your life depending on your appreciation of what you've been given as a result of the 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 the, the judge saying he's 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 innocent As a result of that first court saying innocent, uh, no charges, all of them dropped, a person should leave that court and in turn live a different life. And if they have, it will determine what happens in the second court. But many people have had the gavel come down and they've been found innocent. The, The blood of Jesus paid that debt for them. They don't have any more debts and they go right back out and do not live a different life. And there's a... There is a uh, court that you will stand before and a person that you will stand before and you could be found guilty there. Write this in your notes. The judgment seat is not concerned with your eternal destiny. It's, it's, It's designed and it's concerned for your reward. It wasn't meant to be it's meant to be about your reward, but it can become, uh, uh, if, if not taken seriously, it can be, it can become something else. It can be, um, what's the word? Uh, it can be more about your reckoning. And so, I, I know some Christians before hearing this message, uh, thought like, and in turn behave like. All I know is, as long as I get into heaven, I'm good. That's what I used to think like. But can I tell you something? That's the problem. I'm coming for you, believers, because some of you, you're, you're good in one court, but you are way off in the other court because you're just living thinking there's only one judgment. No, there's another judgment. Think about it this way. If a child comes to you and my child my son comes to me and says dad hey so great you know thanks for the high price you paid for my college tuition but i don't really care Uh, as long as i get d's and can just get out and just kind of sneak out of college and and barely graduate that's that's all i really care about you know what i would pull that boy i'll tell you what i didn't pay this high price for you to go to college and just get d's devin No, I paid that high price for you to maximize this opportunity and make the most out of it in that experience. And if you do, you will be rewarded greatly. See, God didn't just save you to go to heaven. It, he, instead, he paid a high price so uh, you could be used by him. Um, and some people have a problem with that, but it's the greatest thing is to be used by God. So the reward actually begins in the process of being used by God, but many people don't see it that way. So in short, your life is coming up for, listen, an evaluation at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. You, you know this is true in the world system for example if you're employed uh, you know that though your employment might be secure your rewards are not secure if your performance is not commensurate to those rewards so your bonuses your compensation your raises all those kind of things are all connected to your performance on the job you're still employed that's secure in a measure but you follow the illustration but the rewards are not those vary depending on how you do on the job god is not he's so wise he's so far beyond he's had these things built in from the beginning so the judgment seat of christ is tied to your conversion from the time of your death or or rapture to salvation that in between number two Here's the here's the second point, God. I want you to walk away remembering this. He's big on rewards. He's built in incentives, motivations for you. So this isn't supposed to make you uh, just afraid, arrested, and uh, just kind of restricted. No, it's supposed to inspire you and motivate you. What do you mean? There's rewards. I didn't know there was rewards. That's awesome. you mean. You mean if I do something here, that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get bonuses. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get blessings there. Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. First Peter 1:17 says, "God will reward your work." God is looking at the life we live from, from, from the, the change, the transformational change of your identity in Christ to that moment of death or rapture, and when and how you do that will determine your benefits that you receive. Now, he goes into a ton of detail, Paul, goes into a ton of detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and following. And I've understood this in a measure over the years, but it's really become more clear in the latter years of my life. But let me read it to you and try to help you with this a little bit. I hope you're getting something out of it. If you're getting something out of this, it, kind of like, can you just give some love on the screen there and let me know that, Pastor, you know, or maybe you just, you know, I love how it hurts. You know what I mean? Maybe a little comment there because uh, I'll check all this out. All right. Verse 10, it says, <clears throat> according to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul speaking, as a, wi- as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now, the foundation always in Scripture is referring to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's referring to our salvation. So I've laid a foundation, and another builds on that, okay? But let each one take heed how he builds on that foundation. So the foundation is Christ, but how do we build on top of that foundation? And what is that building? I'll come to that. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So listen, there's no basis for our rewards without Jesus at the foundation. There's no basis for our eternal security without Jesus at the foundation. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work is going to become clear for the day. We've talked about that word. It's capitalized there. It's talking about this judgment. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each person's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward if, you, if, if it endures. If anyone's work is burned, it just crumbles, it falls apart, it will, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. I'll unpack this, but the short version is, you can still get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But your rewards, one can survive it, and and you have it, and one, you can lose it. You can lose it. So he describes the judgment seat of Christ, and he explains it like this. You're going to be summoned to a meeting, and you're going to go into a room, and you and Jesus Christ are going to be there, and you're going to have an eyeball-to-eyeball Experience. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, and he's going to look at your life, and in so many words, he's going to say, "Listen, there's only one foundation. That's me. But you, you had an opportunity to decide what you were going to build on that." foundation with the what you what you build it on is referring to your life your lifestyle your choices and so this building or this life that you lead God's going to look at that he's saying I'm going to look at that and I'm going to see what is destructible and what is indestructible material will it be whatever you've done like silver and gold and precious stones or will it be like wood hay and stubble They will be tested by the fire of God's love for us. They'll be tested by the holiness of God. And he's going to look at your life and he's going to determine whether what you have done is quality or cheap. In other words, did did you value the foundation is what's going to happen in this moment. Listen, when you put fire to to gold and to silver and and to precious stones, it's, it's purified. It's, it, no, it survives. <coughs> you, you don't hurt it. You can't hurt it. But, but I tell you what, wood, hay, and straw cannot withstand the heat. It's, it's too cheap. So I think God is saying to you and to me, I gave you the most expensive, priceless, costly foundation, and I don't expect you in this moment to give me a bunch of cheap stuff, burn it up. It has no value uh, to me. Um, His eyes, I don't know how it will happen, I don't know what it will will be like, but because of his holiness, it will have no value. He's going to measure the quality of your work and the quality of your life. I know you know in a measure what this feels like. You for some of you have ever had a contractor work for you, and I'm just picking on one trade. You have them come over your house, and you 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 want them to do a bathroom or a kitchen or something like that, and 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 you want them to buy quality material, but they didn't. You wanted them to do quality work, but they didn't. They cut corners. And you weren't happy with them because they used these cheap materials. And you didn't pay for that. And you gave them something that should have been much higher quality. And God is going to do the same thing with you and me. He's going to look at our deeds. He's going to look, listen, he's going to look at our desires. He's going to look at our decisions. He's going to look at our dependability, our faithfulness before God, our thoughts, <laughs> our words. Uh, 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 you know, and, and all of that is going to say, is it, is it worthy? Can, can it survive the fire? 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, moreover, moreover, never say that word ever, but anyway, it's a cool word. Moreover, it is required in stewards, that's what we are, that we be found faithful, dependable. So he's going to look at the quality of your work uh, and he's going to evaluate it. How, how, how's that going to work? I'm just going to tell you what I think, and I'm going to try to unpack this a little more next week. Uh, This is a little scary what I'm going to say. How will he evaluate it? Because your whole life's on tape. Your whole life is on tape. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to say, in the meeting, roll the tape. (laughs) Ever since you accepted Christ to that moment has been recorded And when you come before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to roll that tape and everything you've done and everything you've said and everything I've thought and everything I've done with my time, everything I've done with my treasure and everything I've done with the talents that he's given me or I haven't even discovered yet that that he's given me, all of that, he's going to run the tape. And when is this going to happen? It's going to happen right after the rapture. When everybody's down here in the tribulation, we're, we're going to have our own momentary test or tribulation. And we're going to have a one-on-one with the, the Savior at the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. And 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 all this is going to, and I, I don't know about you, but it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. So I didn't know heaven was going to be like this. I'm just telling you, all of heaven won't be this, like this. All eternity won't be like this. But this will be a difficult moment, not just because of of what I did, but because of what I said, because of what I thought, yeah, the Bible actually says he tests the motives of men's hearts, all that's going to be tested, so imagine him running the tape, you know, and, and he's going through some things, and he's sitting there with you, and you're so uncomfortable, you're standing, you're sitting, he's sitting, and you're standing there, and you're, and you're seeing all this, I've thought about this message, and I've thought about this, this moment more than once, and all of a sudden, he says, Hop, hit pause there for a second, some guys in the back, like they are here, and hit pause. I gotta. Hey, uh, why don't you tell me, Derek? Tell me about that. Why? Did, why did you say that? Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, why did you think that right there? What? What? what were? You, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Why did you? Why did you treat her like that in that situation? Why did you? Why did you blow that off? Why did? Why did you not pay? Are you getting nervous just thinking about that kind of a conversation? I know I am. Just even role-playing a possibility. See, God is going to play the tape of your life and look at it with you. It's going to be a moment of conviction where we get to face what we have said or we have demonstrated is the value of the cross and the price that he paid for you and for me. Wow. Here's the next point. My last point is this. If you're surviving, if you're hanging on, if you're still listening, number three, everything in your life from your salvation forward has been recorded. Okay, so what about that? See, nobody is gonna be there again, as I've said in the beginning, to defend you. Nobody can defend you against or with and in that moment of reckoning. And again, how much we value the cross is so important. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 11, it says, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. See, what makes us influential and impactful in this world is a knowledge of the fear of the Lord. See, we love God, but we don't fear God. That's one of our biggest problems as Christians today. We love Him, we know He loves us, but we don't know that sometimes, as a good parent, there's an accountability and there's a moment of reckoning, and sometimes we have to make restitution for some of the foolish decisions and mistakes. And there are sometimes there's some consequences, and it might be a withholding of of rewards. But when you know the fear of the Lord, it affects the way you live in the here and now, knowing that this will be no small meeting to you or to me. It becomes a big deal. Hebrews 4.13 says this, super strong, but it says nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is laid naked and bare before the eyes of him, the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Numbers says, it's either in 23 or 32, it says that uh, uh, our sins, uh, th- they trail behind us. We, you know, they, they're, they're, they, we, we can't hide from them. 1 Timothy 5 says the same thing. Luke chapter 12, verse 2 says, Whatever you try to conceal and hide and, and you set in quiet will be shouted from the rooftops. See, nothing is hidden from God. It's all on tape. And, 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 and at this meeting, you're going to be there. And you're going to see what you built your life on. And you're going to see if it's gold and, or gold-plated. See, some of us have gold-plated lives. This is, this is tough for me as a pastor to say this because I think there's some things about my life that I strive for authenticity, and there's some things I'm like, that's, that's not totally real. That's not totally true, and, and maybe that's scaring some of you, but you need to think about you right now. Like Romans 14 says, like, are you, are you living gold-plated lives where on the outside it looks good, but on the inside, mm, it's not so good? And the outside it looks like you're doing this and you're doing that, but you're really not. In other words, you 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 are when you if you've built your life gold plated, it's gonna be melted in in, in, in that moment. And, and it looks holy and righteous, but the eyes of his fire will reveal our true nature. So some of us, we, we have a certain counterfeit life, and we look the part, but we're not living it. And, but on that day, on that day, everybody's going to melt away, and the real deal of who you really are will be revealed. It's so scary to even say that sometimes, but sometimes it, it looks like leather, but it's pleather. I needed a little joke there. It carries an image but it's not authentic. And on that day, uh, every Christian will stand before God and God will will allow nothing to be hidden. And and he says, some of you will be saved by fire. In other words, you got in. You got in. But because there's little or nothing there for how you live to, 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 to show that you glorify God and you lived your life for him. This is not your everyday message that Pastor D. Preaches at Connect if you're a guest today. But Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me in this life, I'll be ashamed of you in the next life. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to look, I'm going to look into your eyes. And I'm going to, I think he's going to say, how could you have ignored me? How could you have been ashamed of me? How, how could you not share me? How could you not be a witness for me? How could you be ashamed of me and not witness for me when I was a savior for you? Uh, no one will escape the piercing glance of Jesus in those moments. I don't know about you, but that motivates me to be different. It's so important that we teach the whole gospel. This is why I often say God didn't save you to suck air, take up space, abuse God's grace. He saved you for so much more than that. He didn't want you to sit, soak, and snore. In church, he saved you on purpose for a purpose. You weren't saved by good works, but you were saved for good works. He created you to do so, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And all of our life, and how we use our time and our talents and our treasures, all of it's being recorded to the mi- most minute detail. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, it says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. He will even notice when you took care of a little kid and gave him a cup of water. When you were thirsty, you gave them a drink. He's going to notice even that. If he would notice that, he's going to notice a lot of details, everybody. And so when when this judgment seat comes, it will either be reward, or reckoning. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, God is a rewarder. Without faith, you can't please God because anyone who comes to Him must first believe that He exists salvation and that He rewards. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Those who earnestly seek him and pursue him. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 uh, a familiar text says fixing our eyes upon Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him Jesus endured the cross scorning its shame and then he sat down at the right hand. What's the reward? He gets to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God having fulfilled the mission that God gave him. How did he get through the difficulty? How did he get through the suffering? How did he get through the challenges? Why did he do what he did for other people's selflessly for the joy for the reward that was ahead of him so you need to live your life knowing that God is a big time rewarder I want to speak to some of you that are maybe going through a difficult time maybe right now you're already you're already enduring a certain cross you know uh, maybe it's life's not so fair for you. You Were raised in a difficult home, a divorced home. You were you were abused within your marriage. You were abandoned by your parents. Uh, you were betrayed by your spouse. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, I just I don't know how to say it, but just it kind of accelerated way it's, it's insufficient but i'm sincerely sorry that that you're in that situation but i want you to understand something what god is saying through his word in many places that i can't unpack today that that and in this last text we can see this that if you have to go through some type of cross in your life if you have to suffer now and go through some stuff like this maybe the reason and i believe it is that it's not fixed right now is because he's increasing your reward then and if you will remain faithful, understand that your reward will be great. Romans 8.18 says, Paul speaking, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He said in 2 Timothy 2.12, If we suffer with him, parentheses now, we shall reign with him then Come on, somebody, that'll preach. So if God allows you to go something, go through something that is not fair here on earth right now, if you remain faithful to the Lord, if you don't shrink back, if you don't turn back, uh, perhaps uh, he, he's decided for some reason not to solve that, eliminate that, make that go away, take that weight off of you. If you don't lose, even if it looks like you're losing, when you remain committed to him through the loss because he will reward you. He will reward you. And on the other hand, the Bible says, as I begin to wrap up, 1 John 2.28 says, I don't want you to be ashamed of him at his coming. I don't want you to be ashamed of him. See, many here listening, if you're honest right now, if you're still with me, and God help you, I, I pray that you are because it's so important that you hear this. Many don't want him to return today. Because the tape wouldn't look pretty if it was rolled, it wouldn't have too much value to it. John is saying, "I don't want you to be ashamed on the day of his return." Some of us would scream, "No God, not now!" No God, I'm not right. I'm not where I need to be. That's what I used to always think and even say in my in my thoughts. I, I don't have anything to show you. I have I've lived for myself. Uh, no one's in heaven because of me. No riches were stored up because of what I what I sent on ahead. I spent it all down here on myself. Uh, no one's Life has been improved or, or value added to them in my relationships. I still haven't overcome this sin, this addiction, and got the victory over it yet. Please don't come back now. And God is saying through the Apostle Paul, I don't want that to be your witness, your legacy, your testimony. In Ephesians 6, verse 8, it says, Because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do. That's his heart. He wants to reward you for the good that you've done. He wants to reward you because you came out of the first courtroom and your life was changed and it was never the same again and you live for him and he wants to reward you for that. But know this, that what, he's going to reward you for whatever you've done. There was a woman who died. I, I heard this story and she was a wealthy woman and... Very wealthy on earth, and she died. She gets to heaven, and the angel says, Come here, uh, come with me. I want to show you your home. I want to show you where you're going to be living. And when she got there, it was a shack. It's nothing but a shack, run rundown shack. And she looked around at the neighborhood, and she saw people that she'd known, people that were poor, people that didn't have as much as her, and they're living in these beautiful, lavish homes, these mansions. And, and, and again, they didn't have what she had when they were there on earth. And so she turns to the angel and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did I get a shack and they got mansions? And he looked at her and he looked at her and he, says, and he replied and he basically said, we only used what you sent on up. We only used the material you sent up. Whoa! See? I want you to think about what you're sending up, what you're sending on ahead. Are you sending junk? Are you sending cheap stuff? Are you sending nothing? And this isn't just about financial resources, this is about all of you. This is about the building on the foundation. This is, a, what are you doing here that has kingdom benefit? That's what's gonna happen on the judgment seat of Christ. What you give, your time, your talents, your treasure, that's the building material that God wants to use now. Listen, we'll talk more about this later, but. In heaven, everything's not equal. The place is equal, but not the rewards. And hell is not that way either, by the way. Hell's not that way either. Every person in hell will not receive the same punishment any more than will receive the same degree of rewards in heaven. It's, it, in, in hell, there will be, there'll be minimum security, medium security, and maximum security. In heaven, there will be different levels of reward. God is concerned about, uh, he's fair. He's fair. And he's concerned about you not missing out on your rewards. In Revelation chapter 22, as I conclude, uh, John gets this revelation. In verse 1, it basically tells us to pay attention and value prophecy. And later in this chapter, it says, don't add to prophecy. Don't dismiss it. Don't take away from it. Bad things will happen to you. This is a very important word, the, the book of Revelation. But he says this, Speaking about Jesus, he says, look, this is speaking about Jesus, look, I'm coming soon. That word soon actually translates, uh, it, it's, it's more, better translated quickly. When I come, it's going to be like that. He says, look, I'm coming soon. And Jesus says, my reward is with me. He, he's basically saying, I can't wait to give you your reward. My reward is with me and I will give it to each person according to what they have done. God's heart, God's intent is to reward you for the life you've lived in faithfulness to him to the, and, and to the appreciation of what he did uh, for you. When the Apostle Paul was near his execution, he looked forward to receiving a crown of righteousness that the Lord would award to him. He added that he would not be the only one to receive this reward. He said all of us would also receive crowns of righteousness. Are you living for earthly rewards or are you living for eternal rewards? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes wherever you are? just, Just let's have a serious moment. Wherever you are between me, you, and God. I want to speak to believers the most today. Listen, it's not enough to just get into heaven. I want everybody to get into heaven. That's important. But you're a believer. I want you to maximize this life with an awareness that there will be a day where the tape will be rolled And I want your tape to have some good stuff on it that rewards you when you get there. Next week, we'll talk about how to fix the tape, how to create a highlight reel for God for that day. Don't miss that. But listen, I want to pray for every believer. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that, Lord, even as I snap my fingers, I pray that something snap inside of them. They come out of that stupor. They come out of that sluggish, lethargic, spiritual life. Lord, they realize there's a reason I'm here. Lord, and and, and they value what God has done for them. Give them a revelation of this moment, of this meeting, this one-on-one that will take place. Lord, give them a revelation of salvation. Lord, the price that you paid for them. And Father, for every person who's listening, who's far from God right now, and somehow because of the, even through technology, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is grabbing you and drawing you in, and you're listening and you're far from, you can come near to Him. The blood of Jesus made it possible for though though you might feel far away, it, it can bring you near. All you have to do is say yes to God. All you have to do is say, yes, I believe. I can't save myself. All you have to do is transfer trust from what you could do to what he already did, and that will get you that ticket to heaven. That will get you that confirmed seat. So if that's you today and you want a confirmed seat in heaven, I want you to just raise your hand and right there on the computer. Just say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ right now. I want to surrender. my. Come on, go ahead and do it right now. Just acknowledge God. When you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you, and we're going to say a prayer together. Everybody's raising their hand, saying yes to God right now. Father, I pray. Just say this. Father, I pray that I would uh, not take for granted what your son did for me. Jesus, come on, say that. Jesus, thank you for salvation. I receive by grace through faith the payment of my sins, past, present, and future, And today, I've become a Christ follower. Help me today, God, to live my life for you, to live my life knowing you will reward me. I'll not only get into heaven, but you'll reward me in heaven. And I want to live my life to the fullest now because of an appreciation that you paid for my sin today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said out there, come on, everybody, let's just celebrate what God did, all those people that said yes to God, all those believers that are getting on fire for God, getting ready for that big day. Come on, let's give them a big hand all over the place. I love you guys. It's been an honor preaching to you. Thank you for surviving the fire of God's word. In Jesus' name, God bless you guys. Amen.